0: This is Dr. Bob Patton. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Making Much of His Mission. His mission, of course, is to see many come to Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so we can't be with Jesus Christ. The Bible says further, the wages of sin is death. We are separated from him and ultimately will go to hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He gives us this as a gift. We can't earn it but we can receive it. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become children of God. So as we receive Jesus Christ, he comes into our life, gives us his life, which is eternal life, and allows us to spend eternity with him. That is ultimately his mission. Let us all yield totally to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as our personal savior. And now the message for today. Welcome to making his mission our mission. Today we will to look at the birth of Christ and what we can learn from the contrast between the emperor and the baby. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. We pray for the power of Satan to be broken. We pray, Father, that you fill us with the Holy Spirit of God and that your word would go forth with power. We pray that people get saved. Others will be encouraged to grow more in you in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter one, I'm sorry, chapter two begins in these verse. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was the first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee, out of the city of David, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was, that when they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn." What a contrast we can see between the life of Augustus Caesar. Caesar Augustus was the most powerful man in the world at that time. Caesar Augustus had all power. Uh, You can say in a sense that he was the most powerful man in the Roman Empire, the first great emperor of Rome. Rome stretching from uh, Britain all the way down to uh, North Africa, from Spain all the way to the Euphrates River. They said that the uh, Mediterranean at this time was kind of a Roman lake. And what he said happened. And what he did, he did. And he had control of life and death. And then we contrast him to a little baby born of parents so poor there was no room for them in an inn. And uh, what a contrast. And yet, who was really the one in charge? And that's what we want to talk about today and point out that God, and God alone, knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going to happen to Augustus Caesar. He knows what's going to happen to that baby god knows everything and he can tell the future because he is outside of time it is he who created the universe of time and space and matter and so he himself is not bound by time and he knows what's going to happen before it happens he states this clearly in isaiah 46 verses 9 to 10 he says this remember the former things of old for i am god and there is none else i am god and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God knows everything, and not only did he know everything, but he has the power to bring things to pass as he wishes. Since the beginning of time, God had made a plan, to rescue mankind. In Galatians chapter 4 it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. There's a tremendous amount of truth packed into these little verses. But when the fullness of time was come, God knew the right time. It was the time when Caesar Augustus was emperor because there was Pax Romana, that is Roman peace, enforced over the areas. Greek at that time was spoken universally so that the language was basically one in many senses and could be spread, uh, spread rapidly. There were excellent roads. Transportation was safe. Transportation was relatively fast. And people who knew the Old Testament, that is the Jews, had spread throughout all of the Roman Empire. They were a protected religion, and they had their synagogues there preserving the truths of the Old Testament. Moreover, many people were turned off by the excesses of the old mystery religions and their uh, excesses of sexuality, sensuality, and wanted to seek the truth, and so they were coming as Jew proselytes to these synagogues. Well, then it says that God sent forth his Son. Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. We've talked about that before. He is not only the Son of God, but he is God the Son. He is completely man, and yet he had ceased not to be God. He came to the Jews. He came under the law, that is, under the law of the Ten Commandments uh, and the Jewish rules, and he and he alone was able to keep God's rules and never sinned. He was born a virgin, and we've talked about that as well. And he came and took flesh so that he could die for our sins, uh, taking a, a body of flesh and blood so he could shed his blood for us, redeeming us. You see, God's promises started immediately after Adam and Eve fell, when he clothed them with the skins of innocent animals. The Bible says, Without the shedding of blood there is no remission, and the wages of sin of death. And God illustrated that when he put the clothing on them. There were sacrifices made at the time of Noah. Noah had two animals come to the ark, with the exception of clean animals, why? So they could be made offers of sacrifice, which was done as soon as the ark um, settled back down after the Noah's flood had finished. It continued through the Jewish religion for 1,400 years. Lamb was slayed morning and evening. And indeed, later on, John, when Jesus was full-grown and about to start his ministry, pointed to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And immediately... A Jew would think about the sacrifice in the temple. God knew everything. So he predicted, for example, not only that um, the Redeemer would come and cover the sins, but he said to Adam and Eve, uh, as they were there, and actually spoke to Satan, I will put enmity between Thy thee, that Satan and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel, and this prediction, the seed of a woman was another clue of the virgin birth, and Satan will be able to hurt uh, the Son of God, but he will suffer a fatal root wound himself, of course it's occurred at the cross. God went further and said abraham you're going to bless all nations that same promise went to isaac to jacob to judah and then eventually to david the promise of a redeemer he promised this redeemer would be a virgin born therefore the lord shall give you himself shall give you a sign behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and his name shall be emmanuel and the prophet isaiah talked further about his birth and mission For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom, to order it, and establish it, with judgment, with justice, from henceforth, even forever." The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Further uh, things that were revealed about his birth include his birth in Ephraim Ephrathah, which is just outside of Jerusalem. There's another Bethlehem that's farther away. It's told in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. These prophecies were made about 700 years before Christ. A little later, at the time of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, verses 20. 4 through 27 gave the date pretty much of the time that the Messiah would come, uh, talking about uh, 70 times 7 and that the prophet would, uh, would I'm sorry, that the Messiah would come some 483 years after the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem which occurred in 445 BC So we see that the birth of Jesus was supernatural He came not only to um, be born of a virgin, but he came to die on the cross and pay for our sins. And he rose again from the dead, and he comes to live in everyone who receives him as Savior. His birth was supernatural, but we can have a supernatural birth as well. Our first birth through our mother, uh, after uh, our father and she have come together, is a natural birth. That gives us our natural body. But when we are born again or born from above, that is a supernatural birth when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And so, like Jesus was born uh, supernaturally, you and I can be born again, supernaturally. And he, in a supernatural way, comes to live in our lives. And he allows us to live the Christian life as we yield to him and give him the lordship of our lives. Furthermore, he, the Lord Jesus, holds a future and he's coming back he came the first time and he all the prophecies that God made about the first coming came true now God has also promised that he's coming back Jesus promised he's coming back he said when he has finished making a place for us I will return again I will come back again he will first come in the heavens for those who have gotten saved up until that time whether dead or alive and will be caught up to be with him and then he comes back Later on, with us to live on the earth, and we live with him as well. Let me read a little bit from Revelation chapter 19. These are future promises that are true for every believer. If you have taken Jesus Christ into your heart, you are a part of this promise. He revealed himself to John, and John said, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. That's verse 11 of chapter 19. Verse 14, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's you and me. And a little description of the Lord Jesus. Verse 16, And he had on his vesture and on his thighs a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he will come and rule over the entire earth at that point in time. Brothers and sisters, there's a great chaos in our times. We don't know who holds the future. We don't know what's going to happen. You have terrorism. All sorts of things are going on. But for every born-again believer, the ultimate future is definitely secure. Ultimately, we will be with the Lord in heaven. We will go and share an inheritance with him, and we will rule as kings and priests with him as well. Thus, you see that the emperor who came in the flesh Caesar Augustus rose he was powerful everybody knew about him but now only those who are history buffs usually know much about Caesar Augustus but the king of kings everybody knows about Jesus who has heard about him unfortunately half the world is not that is our task to allow them to hear that when Jesus came the first time, wise men sought him out. Wise men still seek him today, not to offer him presents of gold and frankincense and myrrh, but to offer him our own lives as we open our hearts to him and allow him to come into our lives. And God promises if that if we seek him with our whole heart, we will surely find him. And my encouragement today is to seek the Lord, May the Lord bless you abundantly. And a final reminder, what we cannot do in our own strength, He can do through us. So as we try to apply what we've learned today, let us yield it to Him and ask Him to live His life through us. And once again, This is Dr. Bob Patton from Making Much of His Missions, wishing you a blessed day. God bless you.